Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton, and happy Friday, guys. We have a lot to get to today. Stacked agenda. We're going to talk, start off with the Mozzie Smith story. We're going to move into some Tigers talk for the first time in months that they finally did something. I'm, I'm going to save that for a couple minutes. Uh, MSU basketball, awful, awful game. We're going to get to that. I want to talk a lot about Killian. I think it was that was one of the best games I've – wasn't one of them. It was the best game that he's ever played in a Pistons uniform. And then we're going to go to the Lions, and we're going to include with uh, a Michigan-Kentucky preview. I want to start with Mozzie Smith. And shame on you, Jim Harbaugh. Shame on you, Eli Savitt. Shame on you to the media. Shame on everybody. This is the joke. Had Mel Tucker sat on a kid with a non-concealed weapon charge and sat on that for months, you would be hearing this on ESPN four times an hour. You'd hear it on Fox Sports 1 every second of the day. You'd hear it on every single news station. But you don't hear a peep about this outside of Michigan State Twitter accounts, and, and other rival fan bases. And 97-1. That's it. Jim Harbaugh let a player play an entire season with charges. He knew about the situation and still let him play. Jim Harbaugh is no different than Urban Meyer. And no Michigan fan can tell me differently. He's just a Christian Urban Meyer. He has no accountability over his program. The constant tunnel issues. Let's see. Harbaugh whines and complains for weeks about how every single fucking player at Michigan State should be thrown to Guantanamo Bay. And you heard about that. When I think we all know what really happened in that tunnel and who started it, but I don't want to go there. Harbaugh has no accountability. Almost a fight against Illinois. There's almost a fight every fucking game in that tunnel. And literally, you don't even hear a peep from it from the blue wall media. You have Harbaugh calling for fucking seven MSU players to go to Guantanamo Bay. And Eli Sabbath sat on a charge for months. And then let it and then the free press to publish the story and click send when they've known about it for months to click send. 20 minutes after Big Ten media availability was done for the Big Ten championship game is an even bigger joke. It is so obvious what's going on around here. Michigan gets a pass for everything. They get a pass from their prosecutor nonstop. They get a pro and they always get a break from the media. The media never talks about this. Savage was so quick to charge Mamani Bates with the same charge that he waited out months for Mozzie Smith. And let's go back to Harbaugh now. And actually, let's stay with Eli Sabbath because he, he's horrible. And he is so biasly charging these Michigan State players. It is so obvious what he's doing. He's a diehard Michigan fan. He's a professor at Michigan. So he's going to coddle all the Michigan players he ain't going to charge on. This is the same guy who said they shouldn't be drug testing for weed and psychedelics should be legal in Ann Arbor and neither should be tested. But MSU players should be drug tested for this. For a fight at the field. 
after an emotional rivalry game. There's been millions of fights. You didn't see Sabbath going after charges for Juwan Howard for slapping Wisconsin's coach right in the face. You didn't see that. Oh, and how about this? You didn't hear a peep from it, from the media. But when Tom Izzo screams at Gabe Brown in March Madness, which is a known thing he always does, Oh, Tom Izzo's a piece of shit. Tom Izzo is such a bad man. Tom Izzo's the worst person on the planet. You heard that on ESPN, Fox Sports 1, and every single news station for weeks. Three times a day. And Harbaugh continues to get a pass. And John Howard continues to get a pass. Jim Harbaugh has no morals. The media has no ethics. And Eli Savage is a piece of shit. And it's so obvious what's being done around here. That has me fired up. When I saw that Mozzie Smith story break, I was pissed. It is horrible. It is disgusting. And everything gets swept under the rug for Michigan. Anderson got swept under the rug. They worship Bo Schembechler. That should tell you enough about the Michigan culture. They worship a guy who knew about son being molested, but chose his career and a friend over his own son. But because he won football games 50 years ago at Michigan, he's the best person on the planet to them. He's the Jesus of Ann Arbor. That should, that should just say enough about the Michigan culture. If you sit there and you want to tell me Bo Beckler was a good person, that should say enough about Eli Sabbath. That should say enough about the media. And that should say enough about Jim Harbaugh. Because God forbid Izzo did this. God forbid Tucker did this. We'd seen news stories 24-7. And there was accountability at Michigan State. You saw Tucker take swift accountability with his players after the fight. He suspended them effective immediately. And then on the flip side, you have Donovan Edwards, who tweets the anti-Semitic remark, but gets to play. Because it's a big game against Michigan State. Oh, and it's a glitch. There is no accountability in Ann Arbor. It's a glitch. Come on, man. This is the Michigan culture. There's such an issue with it. And I'm calling it out right now. And I can cancel for this. And I don't care. Every Michigan fan will disagree with me severely. But the Michigan culture between the arrogance. They're the most arrogant university in America. There is no university as arrogant as them they're always right everybody is so bad besides austin and that's literally the university of michigan it is an embarrassment the media should be embarrassed the city of ann arbor should be embarrassed and the university of michigan should be embarrassed but they're not because there's no accountability at that entire campus and i know you guys are going to come back and say well there's no accountability at michigan state yeah, we're not a whole lot better, but at least the media says something every time. And they'll run news stories. There's nothing ran on Michigan. And it's happening right in front of our faces. And nobody's calling it out in the media. I want to move into another topic today. And this one, as we just as fired up, and that's the first move of the Scott Harris era. You cannot tell me this is the first move you make as the GM of the Detroit Tigers, president of the Detroit Tigers. You sign. Matt Boyd to a one-year, $10 million contract. Matt Boyd is nowhere near worth $6 million, let alone 10. 
came out of the bullpen last year for 10 games in Seattle, posted a 135 ERA. Then in his years in Detroit, never posted an ERA below 385. And he's only started 27 games in the last three seasons. But hey, let's just pay him $10 million because why not? Why don't we bring back Tucker Barnhart while we're at it? This is the epitome of an Al Avila move. And this is the first thing this guy does because this guy talked elegantly. And because this guy worked for Theo Epstein, because this guy is young and because he's smart, he's at least seems looked smart and sounded smart. He might not be so smart after all, but if this is how Scott Harris era is going to go, expect another five years of bullshit. Expect it. Expect it right now. And I always had this feeling in the back of my head. And that was this. Because Chris Illich hired him, he's a guaranteed flop. I put Chris Illich as a worse owner right now than I'd put Sheila Hamp Ford. Right now. Right now. That's how bad I think Chris Illich is. That's how incompetent I think he is. Eisman, you you can't even give him credit for that because it was going to happen and it landed right in his lap. But this one, you could put full blame on him for if this goes wrong. He was in charge of this hire, and I was always afraid it wasn't going to work. And as sure as hell, after this first move, and I'm not going to judge the entire offseason today, but if that's your first move as GM, be prepared for five years of bullshit. And I'm not even joking. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he goes out there, signs a few good free agents the rest of this offseason, fills some gaps, and calls an offseason. But when you're like, Jamer Candelaro walked for $5 million. But you go out there and you pay Matt Boyd for 10, which I have no problem letting Jamer Candelario walk. But for $5 million, I would have paid that and let him go as depth for the year. For the year. But you just pay $10 million for a fifth starter or a long relief pitcher. It is such a stupid-ass move. Nobody liked Matt Boyd then, and nobody's going to like him now again. Horrible move, horrible start of the offseason, and a horrible start to the Scott Harris era in Detroit. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I come back here at the end of the offseason and say, hey, he did a good job besides Matt Boyd. But just like the last six years, seven years of Tigers baseball, I mean, they haven't made a good move in seven, in, in nine years. The last good move I can remember them making was David Price. So I haven't seen the team do anything good. So what makes me think, because Chris Illich is on the team now, who is 10 times worse than his son, than his father was, why does that make me think that this hire is going to be good? He's shown he doesn't care. It seems like he reads flashcards every single time he's talking about the Tigers. He knows nothing about baseball, and he's just sitting on checks from the TV contracts. Do you really think he knew what he was doing when he hired Scott Harris? I, I seriously hope I'm wrong, but I seriously don't think so so far. We'll see. Well, that's a horrible start to the offseason. And what, what else has been horrible this week? How about Michigan State basketball? That was one of the most miserable Michigan State basketball games I've ever watched. They came out flat, they stayed flat, and then they ended up losing by, by like 20 or whatever it ended up being. It was ridiculous. Cormick's good, but outside of that, I mean, you should have had the win. There's no offense with that bench. Not one guy on that bench is ready to play right now. And I know it gets better when Aikens and Pierre comes off. But Kohler, 
It's not even close to ready. Carson Cooper wouldn't start on the worst mid-major team in the country right now. And, I mean, you're you're playing Whitens, but, like, he's just doing cardio out there. You, you, Trey Holloman will be a third-string point guard next year when uh, Fierce comes in. I mean, he won't touch the floor with big minutes ever again at Michigan State. That's it. This is his time. He'll end up probably transferring at some point. Izzo struck out on this class. Calling it right now. I don't think Kohler's will be any, Kohler will be any good. Kohler is a gump, and Kohler just he doesn't even look like a Big Ten player to me. You could have brought in anybody else, but this is what you brought in. You could have gone on the floor and grabbed Ryan Young. Ryan Young, not the best transfer, but, I mean, he's a good backup, big, a Duke. He would have been perfect, but I'm going to live and die by not going on the portal, was what Izzo's done. I'm gonna, it's going to be the same story all year. I mean, the starters were horrible in that game, and they'll have their nights like that. Do I expect this team to never lose a game? No, I mean, the starters played horrible. But if you had a decent enough bench, you probably would have won that game because I truly don't think Notre Dame was that good of a team. They weren't that much better than Michigan State. If they were that much better than Michigan State, I would have come on the podcast today and said, hey, great job, Notre Dame. You dominated us. Good win. But... I mean, if they if we had our nine guys, we'd probably win that game. There's not one guy ready to come off that bench right now. You can't play five guys an entire game. But I mean, Aiken should be back soon. Hopefully, Malik's on his way back. I mean, you got your your zero and zero. You got a game against Northwestern Sunday. Horrible team. I hope the guy they pull off a win on Sunday. I mean. It shouldn't be a difficult one. You're at home. Gets probably the worst team in the Big Ten. Don't fuck this one up and don't fuck up Penn State. And then the rest of the month, you can get healthy. You might be able to, like, see if Kohler and Carson can play even against U of D Mercy. Because I don't even know if they're truly even capable of that right now. We'll see what they really are in the next couple of weeks. But... I mean, right now you're going into the easy part of your schedule and it gets tough again. You're going right into the bulk of Big Ten play. You're hitting Wisconsin. You're going to hit Michigan. You're going to hit Purdue. Doesn't get easier after the end of this month. And you got to start your Big Ten play 2-0 against the two teams you should beat. I want to move into some Pistons talk. Very short segment on the Pistons. Killian Hayes, man. Wow. So I'm going to say, wow, that was incredible last night. I don't know what's gotten into the kid. I don't know what has happened. But he has flipped the switch. And this is the turning point of Killian Hayes' career. Everybody's seeing it now. I mean, if he's going out there and he's dropping Luca off like that, the confidence just, just got to go through the roof for him. He's been great this last 14-ish games. And he... It looked like he wasn't even an NBA player to start the season. And Casey stuck him out and kept playing him. And Weaver kept believing in him, never sent him to the G League or anything. And Killian just flipped the switch. Everything that Ashton was talking about this offseason is exactly what's coming out of Killian Hayes. What could be real in- interesting is if a Killian Hayes can actually be a sixth man on this team. And not just like your ninth, tenth guy in the future. 
I'm not jumping to conclusions of like he'll be your six man, but I I truly think Killian Hayes will be one of the better bench players in the league at some point in his career. He's learned how to score. His facilitating was never the issue. His facilitating looks even better now that he's scoring the ball better. His defense has been great. And honestly, you got to give it to him. He's been phenomenal lately. And that's something I didn't see coming. And I think that I'm buying in now. Calling on this podcast, I'm buying in on Killian. It is very, very impressive what he has done the last couple of weeks. You got a game against Memphis on Sunday. Jaden Ivey versus Jai. You just got Jaden Ivey back last night. He came off the bench. And then I ended up getting big minutes because Livers went down. And I'm really curious what the Pistons might be able to do with their lineup for Sunday. I would truly like to see this as my lineup. My lineup Sunday it would be Killian Ivy, Boyan, Marvin Duren. Duren's earned his spot in the lineup. Sadiq hasn't earned his spot back. And I don't think he's ever going to earn that spot back. I don't think he's here for much longer either. But Bagley hasn't lost his job. Boyan clearly is the best player on the floor right now for them. So Dern hasn't lost his Dern's done everything he can to get the starting job now. Why don't you start him Sunday? Perfect time to give him the nod. I want to see what him and Bagley can do together at the four or five. And I'm not saying like Stu's been bad, but Stu hasn't done anything to me to say, oh, he should remain a starter over Dern. They're a better team when Dern's on the floor. And I'm gonna continue to push for that on this pod. Because I truly think that if Dern's in your starting lineup, you're going to win a lot more games. Yeah, you're guaranteed a few missed dunks. Yeah, he's going to miss your free throws. Which at that point, you just put Stu in at the end of the game and go for free throws from there. But I do want to see Dern start to hit the lineup this month. I think he's ready. I think everybody has saw he's ready. He's the best big on the team right now. And Sunday would be a great time to see if that can work. I want to move into a little bit of Lions talk to fin- and then move into Michigan basketball to finish off the day. J-Mo might be back. And the Lions only have two injuries this week. Okwaro and Brown, only two players out. You're literally healthy this week, more than likely. They'll probably roll out a few more. I don't expect J-Mo to play. I'm not getting my hopes up for that. I'm not getting my hopes up for Romeo, Okwaro. But... I would love to see J-Mo return Sunday and just torch Jacksonville off. And I think Jacksonville, I, I think Trevor Lawrence has arrived, and I think Vegas thought he's arrived because Vegas don't like the Lions in this game. And Marvin Jones is back at Ford Field for his first time since he was in a jersey here too. Look, I think that the Lions win this game. They're healthy. I don't think a lot of people are, are talking about that nationally, that this is the first time all year you can potentially have everybody back on that defense besides Aquaros. Paschal's back this week. Okuda's back this week. And as bad as that secondary was against Buffalo, I mean, they weren't even they weren't even that horrible. Bring Okuda back and have him firing on all cylinders like they did against the Bills, and I think they can win this game pretty by a pretty large margin. I like a healthy defense. I like a healthy old line. I like a healthy receiving core, receiving core. But at the same time, like, is it worth r- rushing JMO back because of the hype? 
Because I don't want to rush him back and then have him get injured, and then you're talking about an NFL, his career injury. I'd like to play him when he is fully ready to play. I heard he hasn't been a full participant in practice. I heard he's doing more every day, which I which makes me believe he's out. Almost something crazy changed tomorrow, but they don't practice on Saturdays. So I, I don't think he plays. Maybe you'll see O'Quara play. But that's it. I think that healthy Lions equals a win. And they're going to play their asses off for that win. And Trevor Lawrence might have arrived, but the Lions are healthy and they're going to show that they've arrived as well. Final segment today, Michigan basketball. They travel to Kentucky. Sorry, they travel to London to play Kentucky. I think Kentucky blows the brakes off of them. I think Michigan's atrocious. I think they are no better than they were last year. And in last year's team did not belong in March, but they got hot. So got to give it to them. They got a sweet 16. They're not good. They're going to lose pretty badly, I think. They're going to travel to London and have a very long flight back. She went on Dick on Hunter could actually be a fun game. And I'll probably go back and forth between that and the Lions. I really am curious who wins that big man matchup. But I just think Kentucky is more talented than Michigan is. Toppin's more talented than anybody on that Michigan team. I'm super excited for this game. And I think Michigan is going to struggle a lot. And I don't think they have any shot of winning this game. I haven't seen Wallen do anything all year for them. Bufkin needs to really step up. I think he's looked decent. But at the end of the day, I don't like really like anybody on that starting five besides Jet. And Jet's going to have to have a huge game to keep them in that and win. So I hope this week I'm right on a lot of my predictions. Um, I'll see you guys on Monday. I like ending on a little more positive note going into the weekend after BS, getting all that BS out of the way early in the episode. I'll see you guys on Monday. I'll see you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend. Go green, go pistons, go lions.